Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the global authority on workplace culture. I'm your host, Rula Amiri, Content Director at Great Place to Work. On this episode, we speak with multi-Grammy Award winner, Brittany Howard. Brittany Howard, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. You probably don't remember, but we've shared a room together. We've been in the same space. You didn't see me, but I saw you. Oh, where was that? It was Chicago, July 2016, Civic Lyra Opera House. You were on stage with Alabama Shakes, and it was just electric. So you didn't see me, but I saw you. Well... Hello, nice to meet you for the first time. <laughs> yeah, now we're in a much more quiet and intimate setting for our second meeting. Face to face. Face to face, yes. Now you're seeing me. Um, so I'm from Ohio. I grew up in a small town, small college town, predominantly white. My parents were Middle Eastern, they spoke Arabic. So, you know, as a kid, being other wasn't easy. You know, the need to belong is so strong, but especially when you're young. You grew up in the South as a biracial woman, and you've said you wanted to start a band since you were 11 years old. So did that, I'm just curious about the impetus for that. Did you want to create a band because you felt that would connect to some type of belonging? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think uh, belonging is a very human thing, a very human need. And when I was younger, I don't think I understood I was doing it for belonging. I think when I was younger, I just wanted to have something that was my own, uh, something that couldn't be controlled. Um, No one was really allowed to have an opinion on it. I was just, once I realized I could create, that's all I wanted to do. And being in a band kind of put me in a position of um, now someone's going to hear me and someone's going to experience what I experience. And being seen, even when I was younger, I didn't know that's what I was doing, but being Mm -hmm. seen as difficult as it even can be till this day was empowering to me. Yeah. Being seen as difficult. How are you seen as difficult? How are you difficult? Being seen, <laughs> being seen at all, being brave, being courageous. Because when I was younger, I was, you know, definitely other, like you were, mm-hmm. like you can obviously relate to. But other, no one was really like me, I was tall, mm-hmm. mixed race. Mm-hmm. I was kind of told, or I guess I saw when I was younger, oh, you can be this, you can be that. You can fit in this box, you can fit in this box. There was no boxes for me. Mm-hmm. And I found it painful and it kind of excruciating. Because so I was like, well, is it my job too then to create my own box and explain myself to people? And uh, I was a little resentful. And that's so much pressure as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Making your own way. But now I'm older and I can look back at that kid and be like, yeah, but... You did it. Yes. (laughs) And that formed your, exactly. I mean, I remember when I was growing up and we would go to gas stations and I would go in arrest areas and I'd look for the license plates, you know, the mini, like little license plates, everyone had their name on it. Oh yeah. You You know, know, find one. 
I'd yeah. look. I'd see the Britneys. I would yeah. love a name that was easily pronounced. Right. I'd see Brittany, Jennifer, Susie. No Rulas. Never Rula. I, mm. I always looked. Yeah, you want to fit in. I wanted to check a box. But to your point, now that I'm older, I love that. I don't want anyone with my name. Yeah. Yeah, and I love my culture, my background. But you, you know, you got to go through that. You got to go through it, and you come into your own, and it helped me have a sense of individuality, mm-hmm. pride. Mm-hmm. I now love being other in many ways. In many ways I yes. do, too. <laughs> and in some ways I don't. Yeah, There's, that's why I qualify. In many, not In many fully. ways, yeah. Yes. Sometimes I do just want to blend in, go about my business. Yes. For me, like when I get a coffee or something, I sometimes I debate, you know, they put, what's your name? And you're do like, I just go with? Kimberly. Right. <laughs> Or Rula, do we want to spell it? What is that, huh? For the record, I'd usually say Rula, but there are times I'm like, oh, let's just make this easy for everyone. Yeah, I ain't got the time. Just the bandwidth. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I gotta go. Well, you went on to form many bands, most notably the rock band Alabama Shakes as front woman and guitarist. But like we've talked about, you didn't check any boxes for most of your career. You were told you don't look the part. Leaders of rock bands aren't typically women. They're not typically women of color. They're white men, typically. But you didn't listen to the noise, to people who said you weren't going to succeed. Five Grammys later, four with Alabama Shakes, one uh, with your solo debut album, Jamie. You mean, you've shattered so many stereotypes. And as we've said, to be seen and see yourself in the world is so critical for all of us, but particularly for people who identify as marginalized, Mm -hmm. women, people of color. What would you tell those people who want to work in the music or entertainment industry? It doesn't sound like you lacked confidence as an up-and-coming artist, but was there advice you would have wanted to be told? when you were up and coming or any advice you'd share with people like you? I guess the advice I would give, you know, we live in a different time now, even than when I was coming up, when Alabama Shakes was coming up. We, uh, the internet was a great tool for us then, but it wasn't all encompassing. Nowadays, there's so many different social media platforms that people really feel like they need to master in order to have a presence in the music industry. Which, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not true, but I guess my advice to people who are wanting to um, be a musician, especially if you want to be an artist, Mm -hmm. is it's still important to hang on to yourself because things move really fast and a lot of people say they can help you. I would say listen to your intuition first and foremost and have have great people to support you, be around you. People who can tell you that's wrong or that's not good, and then you can use your own character to make a decision based off of what people who love you and support you say. Mm -hmm. Because you can't change with the wind. And, you know, with social media and everything becoming uh, so fast-moving, you can't change with every single thing. Mm -hmm. you got to remain. You have to keep your soul. you got to keep your soul. Who's your soul checker then? My friends, I got close friends, my managers, Kevin and Christine, my family, my community. Mm-hmm. And also where I come from, I wasn't just like, I wasn't just like born talented. 
You gotta work on. You gotta work on it, and it's character building because people would be like, "That don't sound good," and it didn't. It didn't sound good. It was trash. <laughs> you, but you, you don't let it put you. You don't well, let trashed, it. Trash is it? I mean, trash to you might be. It's sure. not going to be trash. To One man's trash, right? Right. right but right. what I'm trying to say is, it doesn't happen overnight. You mm-hmm. don't. You keep working on it, and when uh, people tell you something's not good, then get better, and but you know, be your own guiding light for sure. I think I read, you know, you wanted to be the front woman for other bands, established bands. And they said, you know, no, no. So you just went and formed, formed a bunch of your own. So for other people who want to, like, lead, you know, be you, be the Britney Howards, you know, be in a rock band, lead them, whatever they want to do. If it's a rock band mm-hmm. or in the entertainment industry, just start doing it, start creating it, because you are self-made as they say i mean you it looks that way yeah i don't think anybody's self-made okay i don't believe that i, I it's it's a it's a thing so, we like to say especially yeah. in america because we yeah. love individualism right yeah. but it's not true there's people around you all along the way that are lifting you up or guiding you right so i, I don't know i feel like i um in a lot of ways got to shape where I'm going to be mm-hmm. and what I'm going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very grateful to have the opportunity because of those around me. You know what I'm saying? Even being here today. And to anyone who wants to lead their own band, yeah, I say go for it. 1,000% know why you're doing it. Do you want to express yourself? Do you want connection? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be rich and famous? There you go. Look in the mirror and ask yeah, what's your what's your purpose? And if this is your purpose, yeah, follow it. Yeah, what's my purpose? Be rich and famous. Absolutely. Not no, joking. Joking. <laughs> Where <laughs> you are today? Joking, joking. <laughs> In a room with me. <laughs> um, so I'm sure you've seen the industry change over the years. What progress has it made when it comes to you know gender parity, supporting underrepresented voices in the community? Obviously, people look to you. There have been others that have been trailblazers. But who, whose job is it? I mean, whose job is it to push inclusivity, equality, so other women don't get told they don't look the part? Is it labels? Is it the media? Is it artists? Is it people who have made changes like yourself? Is Where does the responsibility fall? It's everybody's everybody. job. Everybody's job. Um, everybody's job. I don't know how to add to that. It's everyone's has, job. Has there been progress? Has there been progress? Absolutely, yes. because we're sitting here talking about it right now. Yeah. Big companies are talking about it. The Grammys are talking about it. The Oscars are talking about it. It seems like people do want to be more inclusive. And I think there's a problem sometimes with people like, oh, we're supposed to be talking about this. Let's talk about it, which is great. Talking's the first step. Action is the next step, Mm -hmm. which I think that's happening. But I think we got to keep doing what we're doing. Just talking about it with you here today is necessary. Mm -hmm. Who companies hire is an action that's necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, Women-led business owners, it's necessary for you to have other women working for you. I think all of that's necessary for us to be uh, a more inclusive, understanding society. What kind of action have you seen in the industry? So there's words and then there's action that you feel like you can point to and say, all right, that's that's good. I like that. 
this is going in the right direction. Look, it's good. It's good to see Cardi B's uh, taking over charts. It, it's good to see w women having more ownership in America over businesses. It's good to see more women in the workplace. It's good to see more women in my workplace, such as on the road, doing uh, different types of jobs. Um, but I will say I'm seeing it right, but I still think there needs to be more. It's good work. We're going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I still need to see more women producers. I still need to see more women engineers being celebrated. I, mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it happens. They're there. Yeah. But I need more. I need because when you see the thing that you want to be, especially yeah. as a little girl, then you say, oh, she did it. I can do it. Like for me with Missy Elliott, hands down. I saw Missy Elliott. I saw that she was different. Yeah. She looked different. Her uh, flow was different. Her clothes were different. The way she showed up in the world was different. And I said, oh, I can do that. I can definitely do that. There's a place for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think just having these women celebrated in these roles where we can all see them. They're there, right, but they need to be seen. Got to be seen. Got to be talked about. Yeah. Got to be celebrated. So more of that, please. Have you and Missy Elliott talked about any kind of collab? No, but I met her one time. I made it happen. I was at the Billboard uh, Women's Awards, uh, and I saw Missy Elliott, and I there was like one little pause in the show for like two minutes. I just beelined it over to her, and I said, um, "Miss Elliot, I just, I just love you so much. Can I take a photo with you?" I didn't have time to get it out. You know, I didn't have time. You're a true fan girl. Oh, yeah, it turned into butter. And did you get the photo? Yeah, I got the photo. Yeah. Did you talk? Was she like, "Hey, Brittany"? Was oh, she, she like, "Sure"? Like, oh, she had no idea who I was. <laughs> That's okay. You got your photo. I got my photo. And that's the story. <laughs> you know, I don't know if Missy Elliott listened to this. Hey, you know, call me on the phone. Email me. Before you became a full-time musician, you worked a lot of jobs. I mean, so many. I did. You did. So we have, we'll just name a few. Mm -hmm. We have Kroger, taking back to your bagging days. That's it. Cracker Barrel, the post office, sanitation company. Yeah. So you know what it's like to be an hourly worker, a frontline worker, which is a significant part of the workforce that we champion at Great Place to Work. Awesome. Um, our research shows it's not the industry that makes a company great, it's the company. So we can't blame retail, for example, for on a bad experience. It's not the industry inherently, it's the company. Great companies make them great for everyone, for women, people of color, et cetera. Out of all your jobs, did you ever work at a company whose culture you'd call great? Uh, yeah, working for myself <laughs> was the first time that I ever said, wow, this is great. Cracker Barrel, no. Kroger? No. <laughs> Post office? Especially not. And it wasn't because of the people I worked with. I, I feel like the people I worked with at the post office were all right. I, mm -hmm. I, liked, I liked some of them a lot. But it was, you know, it's a government job. They don't care about you. It's terrible. I worked at Domino's Pizza, too. Oh, Domino's. Yeah. Don't tell me you delivered. I didn't deliver. I was, you know, I was trying to make the pizzas because my friends worked there, but I was too slow, and they put me on the phones. <laughs> and that's where I got this award-winning personality, talking to people for hours. When they ordered a pizza? Oh, yeah. No, you know what I'm saying. Like, I pick up the phone, I pick oh, up yeah. the phone for hours, you know what I mean? So, yes. So those people listening, 
at the Domino's where? What what town? Oh, it would and, be the and what year? Uh, it what year? I don't know. I don't remember. Right, I mean, well. I was like what seventeen years old, uh, working at the Domino's on County Line Road in Madison, Alabama, throwing pizzas with um, my good friend and bass player Zach. And we were in there just, you know, trying to make a little money, spend on the weekends. Yeah. One of them starter jobs. We've all had them. Do you like the pizza? Do you eat the pizza? No, I don't eat the pizza. Did you ever? I, I liked it when it was free. I mean, I liked mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I liked it a little bit. Free pizza. Who doesn't like free pizza? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> we can edit that out. Oh, that's right. Yes, um, That's right. Yeah. Lo- love Domino's, so. Um. So we all have stories from work, good and bad. Clearly, you have some. We all have some. Yeah. Um, is there, again, good or bad, any memorable work experience or just work experience in general that influence how you work with other people today? I mean, you're an owner. You have a company. You're your own entity. Do you just do everything differently I really value the experiences I had. I value having so many different types of jobs. Mm-hmm. I value the people that I worked with um, because I got to live a beautiful experience of what it's like to work hard, to be underpaid, underappreciated, and never really seeming to be able to get over the hump. You know, I lived yeah. my life uh, below middle class most of my life. Mm-hmm. And it taught me to be resourceful, taught me to connect with people, it taught me to never judge people, never know what somebody's going through. All of those things came from those experiences. So now that I get to be the boss lady, mm-hmm. um, I know how to treat people. I know how to treat people who work with me with respect um, and honor them because I can't do what I, what I do without them. Yeah. And pay them fairly. Fair pay. Fair pay, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anyone who you mentioned you really liked, you know, people you worked with over the years? Is there anyone who shaped any memorable experience you want to share? I mean, I worked for my best friend growing up. His name was Johnny. He's a redheaded Italian kid, and his parents had a street sweeping business. And um, I really liked working there. I liked working there because they're family, and they work hard, and everything there was just kind of, like, colorful and goofy. And uh, it it was just quite an experience. Like, I used to pressure wash targets, like, outside, you know, little red balls I got outside of Target? Oh, yeah. I would pressure wash those. I picked up the cigarette butts, you know. I cleaned up the landscaping. And I don't know, for some reason, kind of enjoyed it. Because so that was, a, that was okay. That was an was, okay job. It was all right because I was working with my best friend and my best friend's parents, and they were really cool. And uh, PowerVex Services, shout out PowerVex Services, do, do a great job. And um, I like seeing my work. I like seeing the, the effort of my work. You saw the fruits of your labor. That target looks sharp. Uh, but that gets down to what we also talk about here is the power of friendships, you know, the power of friendships at work. You oh, yeah. work with your buddy. You like the family. Oh yeah, yeah. That That's goes life. with a long way. That's exactly. That's life. Just like in the in the yeah, in the non-work world. Um, are you friends with anyone from old jobs still? I mean, like, I say I'm, I mostly got friendships with the with everyone um, I've ever worked with. There's like a few people that just not on the same wavelength. Whatever. Well, that's life too. Whatever. I wish them well. I hope they're great. I hope they're doing great things and they got a hot tub and 
all that stuff, BMWs. You know, um, but there's, yeah, there's people like my, my best friends. I worked with, I got an opportunity to work with my best friends a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And we're just friends to this day. You know, mm-hmm. and when I'm around those people, it makes me feel like I'm home. But well, we could be anywhere. I could be in. A, I can yeah. be anywhere. If I'm with my friend, I'm I'm as good as home. I know I'm safe. I know I'm with someone who appreciates me, understands me. Yeah. And we're having a good time. So absolutely, I still have long-lasting friendships with people I worked with. Let's switch to mental health. Okay. So mental health is certainly a big topic in the workplace, but really for everyone today. Um, how did you keep healthy? during the pandemic and now beyond? Oh, I just, I'm not sure that I got out unscathed, to be honest with you. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I did. I I really tried to stay busy. Um, I was really excited at first because I was like, oh, like I have all this free time for the first time. And I was like, this is amazing. I can do this, I can do that. And that's what I did. I went outside, I got into fishing. Uh, fishing. Yeah, I started a fishing account it's called Brittany B. Fishing. I was out there and fly fish. I do all kinds of fishing, catfishing, deep sea fishing, you name it. That's something I really got into. Uh, and then I, um, my friends joined me. They all got into it. Now Wait, hold a, up. We need to. I need now I have to a just, boat. Let's just rewind for one second. <laughs> so first of all, so when the pandemic hit, were you like, okay, yeah, I have all this free time. Were you performing? Were you, was it downtime time anyway? Or were you... No. I was meant to tour the record I had just put out, Jamie. Jamie. Yes, it's named after my sister who passed away when I was younger. And I was really, I, I put this piece of work out and I was very excited and I, and I knew in my heart of hearts, I was like, wow, this is really meaningful and I'm excited to put this work into something that I've done by all on my own by myself. And I was like, just so excited to do that. And then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And it, it completely cut my touring schedule It came out 2019. Off. End of 2019. I was going to tour. Uh, luckily, we did some tours before. But uh, still. Still right there, chopped off. And it was like, whoa. I was not expecting that to happen. And I was disappointed, of course. But lots of people were disappointed uh, during the pandemic. And I, honestly, I, was, I felt blessed that I was well and, and I had my health. And my friends were doing well. And, and it was kind of a scary time because what's going to happen with the music industry? What's going to happen to these venues? What's going to happen to people who work at the venues? The whole thing, you know. Yeah. We, you were, you were concerts again. You were there for it. Yeah. Everyone was there for it. Yeah. And it was, uh, what's the word, anxiety-inducing. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I need to get out of my head. I need to get outside. I Let me to, take up fishing? I need to be somewhere where my phone doesn't work. So I go out to the woods, I go to the river, and I go fishing. And that was doing wonders for me and then where where in the world where are we like you Brittany Howard can just walk up to a river and fish and no one's is this remote I mean it is remote but you wouldn't believe you have to say where it is because everyone's going to start showing up but no you wouldn't believe I'll be out in the middle of nowhere and I'll hear my name Brittany and I'll look and there's just some river man Standing there with a the fishing pole? Like, is that really you? What are you doing here? I was like, I'm, I'm fishing. I'm doing the same thing you're doing. He's like, wow. Well, good luck. Thank you. You wouldn't believe how many times that happens. One day I was musky fishing. So musky is like, it's like a fish that looks like an alligator. It's got big teeth. Very damaging if you get any part of your body in its mouth. Okay. Terrifying fish. So I'm out there musky fishing, and it's cold. When you go musky fishing, it's got to be cold. It's got to be very uncomfortable for some reason, or they won't bite. 
And so I'm out there fish all day, don't see. Uh, I mean, actually, we did catch one. I didn't, but the boat got a fish. We were not skunked, as they say. Coming back in, and this dude is out there. I'm talking about it's cold. This dude is on a boat passing by, and he goes, you look like that lady from Alabama Shakes. I was like, yes, sir, that's me. And he was like, wow. He's like, is that a musky, a musky pole? I was like, yeah. He's like, are you out here catching muskies? I was like, yeah, we got one in the boat. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. He was impressed with. Oh, blue is mine. Yeah, right. Blue is mine. I was like, of course it did. Good luck, buddy. You know? Yeah. So that's what I did during the pandemic. And, and because I did something that was so fulfilling like that and was so different than what I do every day, it gave me energy to enjoy what I do. Yeah. So I was able to still write music because then it felt like a gift instead of like, mm-hmm. this is my job. I must stay focused. I must stay in my lane. I must be better. I must always dedicate all of my hours into honing this craft. I, I, I took a break. I took a break. Best thing I could have done for my mental health. How far into the pandemic did you take up fishing? Almost immediately. So you've been fishing for two and a half years? Well, I've been fishing since I was probably around four years old, but I, you know, when I was a teenager, I was like, nah, that's not cool. And then when I was in the shakes, I didn't have really time to do it. And then, um, yeah, pandemic hit, I got back into, got right back into it. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) You want to go fishing? I go fishing with you anytime, any day, anywhere. We're in Orlando. We can go right now. I got about three hours. I got time. Can we end this early? Let's go. Do you have a fishing pool? No, but I I think it's easy to just just go down the beach and get one, I think. Right? Go get some sharks. (laughs) Do you still make time? Like, is this part of your life now, or was this like a COVID thing? This was such a big part of my life that I almost walked away from the music industry to join a professional fishing company, start a a whole television program. It got really big, you know? Uh, Then then I had to walk away from fishing and I had to- And walk back into the music industry. I had to reinvestigate myself. (laughs) And here I am, I'm back, I'm back. You're back. So you brought up Jamie that came out 2019. Everyone should listen to it. That's right. On repeat. Please listen to it. Uh, Grammy Award-winning album. Did we mention that? Uh, your debut solo release. That's it. Um, so it touches on a lot of topics that are important to our audience in songs like Georgia, 13th century metal, history repeats. So when you were making the album, how are you hoping those songs would influence listeners? You know, what, what messages were you trying to get across through those songs? You know, I'd say like my overall message is is that of of acceptance of uh, trying to love all the different parts of uh, myself, trying to understand people where they're coming from, even if I don't like them. I like to understand people. It gives me more compassion towards myself when I understand people. So all I want to do is tell my story a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's a great big story. So it's not all in there. But there was just some things that I just wanted to talk about, and it tends to be how I make music. It's like an exploration of myself, um, because, like, I must. I don't know. Everybody's born with a gift, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that my purpose in life is just to use that gift to uh, bring some brightness to the world. And I I think if that inspires people to do use whatever they have to do that, Kindness is a very small gesture, and it can do very big things. Mm-hmm. 
And this was inspired by Jamie, your sister, who had a rare eye eye cancer, eye disease. Yeah, so my sister and myself were born with something called retinoblastoma, mm-hmm. which is basically like uh, tumors that grow in your eye. Sometimes they're benign, sometimes they're malignant. In my sister's case, technology wasn't really there to, to be able to save her at that time. I'm a little, I'm about four years younger than my sister. So when I, so when I came along, uh, they froze them, no problems. I'm good to this day. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they didn't find out until my sister was uh, about six years old. So she passed away. And um, she's an amazing person. You were eight. Right. And she passed away? Right, yeah. So to say I wrote the record uh, inspired by her, you know, I'd say I lived my life inspired by her, to be honest with you. Yeah. I lost an important person when I was nine. I lost uh, my mom. Mm. And, you know, I didn't think that had any effect on me. Isn't this just so bananas? Because I had a great dad. I had a great family. You know, I was happy doing my thing. And it actually wasn't until the pandemic that I was like, wait a minute. I don't know if you had this experience, but talk about a delay of, you know, decades. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, that shaped me. And I just feel like she's, like, always, oh, she's always been with me, actually. Yeah, so it's not. It's beautiful. Yeah. And because of of it all, I have grown to be the person I am today, which I am proud of. You know, I'm the type of person I always want to work on something. I always want to make it better. could be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like to stop and look around or get comfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to be comfortable. Yeah. But during the pandemic, I was like, what's so bad about that? What's so bad about smelling the roses, being, being appreciative of where I am, who I've become? Maybe there's more work on the way, but that's fine. That's life. I'll get mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning to love yourself where you are, like. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that's, also that's, that was a theme for me man, during something. the pandemic too. Yeah, being being not only loving yourself, but like you said, being proud of yourself. Being proud of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I would always think, you know, would my mom be proud of me? Like, what would she say? And I thought, well, I mean, if I'm proud of myself, she's gonna be proud of me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just I'll just take that. Oh, I'm sure your mother's proud of you. And um, my sister would still probably beat me up to this day and make fun of me to this day, which I need that. Yeah. She's still your sister. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Brittany, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for the conversation. For sure. We appreciate you, your music, and all you're doing, and all that's yet to come. Thank you so much. Um, I'm happy to be here today. I think it's really cool, this whole event. And... um, how it's inspiring us to treat each other with respect and dignity and do better. So I like that. I rock with that. We're wrapping early because we got to go fish. Go get them sharks the for Let's one. Go. Let's go. I'm serious. <laughs> I only, you know what I have tonight to do? What? Go to your show. All I got to do is put on a show. So let's go get sunburnt. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Better. You can stream this and previous episodes wherever podcasts are available. 